You're listening to the first episode of Idea Pro. Welcome to the new podcast, Idea Probe, hosted by yours truly, Majd Aleph. Uh, this podcast is going to be about probing ideas and sort of giving my own point of view about what's going on uh, in the news recently. So recently, I don't know if you've heard, if you, if you certainly know me, you couldn't escape this fact. I recently called in on LBC and talked to Jacob Rees-Mogg about his... Uh, about the talks between the Labour Party and the Conservative Party. I mean, this was way before, this is about a week before Theresa May announced her resignation in June. And I talked about how, so the question was, do you, do you think that the talks were going to you know, result in anything useful, anything productive that a- anyone sort of would, would, get, would get use, like a utilitarian value out of? So my, 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 my answer was, it's not going to happen. Uh, sort of Labour want, wanted wanted this whole thing. They were negotiating in bad faith, and the Conservatives, who were headed by the by Theresa May, who was a Remainer herself, she wanted separate things. So the the sort of the incongruency of having a Labour Party that wanted a sort of a close relationship with the European Union, particularly after after leaving sort of formally and not having to deal with their own laws. They wanted to stay with the customs union. They wanted to uh, deal, sort of stay closely integrated with with, uh, with Europe for the purposes of, you know, sort of the social justice, the socialist perspective of, of the Labour, which is, you know, fine. I mean, that's, that's what they want. But the people on uh, the conservative side, like... Uh, Sort of, and and on the leave side particularly. I mean, the conservatives are, are split between sort of a soft Brexit and a hard Brexit. I know these terms are sort of nebulous nowadays, but sort of hard Brexit people like the ERG, Jacob Rees-Mogg, Boris Johnson, those guys wanted a sort of clean break. So, all right, let's get on with it. Let's start. Let's start and sort of let's start over and then get get our ducks in a row and 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 start negotiations with other other nations so we can get. So get trading. I mean, that's what the whole thing was about, right? The European Union, it started out as a trade block so we can get sort of a, a reduced tariff on steel and all that stuff so Europe can rebuild itself following the World War II. Anyways, but people people who wanted a soft Brexit also would agree with a, uh, a Jeremy Corbyn perspective of, okay, so maybe we shouldn't leave because it offers great value, the European Union that is, that we could sort of stick around with and maybe we can fix it from the inside. I mean, that was the whole thing with uh, David Cameron. David Cameron wanted to sort of reform it from the inside. He promised that we're going to pressure the European uh, Union, that we need to sort of fundamentally change how Europe functions. Now, I think that's nonsensical and, and, and sort of in a fantasy land, but we, we can get into that uh, at a later point. So my argument when I called into LBC, well, hey, the plug-in again, uh, I talked about how nothing was going to happen, and I was right. Here's why I thought that. I thought that nothing was going to happen because Labour wanted Labour wanted a, a very soft Brexit where to the point where it, it's not recognisable anymore. I mean, sort of Jeremy Corbyn is in this very tough spot. I don't envy him, where he has to please sort of the young, the young people that he energised during the 2015 uh, general election of the sort of momentum types of uh, 
close integration within Europe, socialism, uh, public public works, and all that sort of stuff. So that that sort of brand is not very uh, sympathetic or is not very compatible with the old socialist view of sort of isolationism and uh, an, an anti anti neoliberal integration, as they would call it. I mean, socialists would. I, I mean, I'm I'm thankful for their view on this because socialists tend to be anti. Uh, interventionist well in in one sense in the in foreign intervention so in that aspect where jeremy corbyn would be described as a traditional socialist he would not be in favor of close integration with the european union and i think that i'm not the only one who senses that the electorate really senses that with the growing uh sort of disconnect between the the momentum types the the grassroots uh campaign that got him to that position and uh, the leadership. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn, he, he seems to be heading a, a Remain party, but himself wanted uh, wanted to leave. Uh, similarly, you've got the Conservative Party, where I'm, I'm not too sure about the numbers, but I would say it's split. You know, some ha- sometimes in the middle, you've got sort of the three groups within the Conservative Party of, well sort of people that I would align myself with who that are the Eurosceptics. So you've got Daniel Hanan uh, and um, Jacob Rees-Mogg, Boris Johnson, those guys who have who believe that, you know what, Europe is beyond redemption. We can't do anything about it. They're always going to be sort of a, 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 uh, a tool for the progressives to use to sort of implement their positions top down through a centralized position. I believe that that the the way they approach it is sort of a principled position of having power accountable to to individuals. I mean, um, I I agree with this the most. I think power is 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 best rested within sort of closer to who's who's again effect. I mean, I didn't I didn't do it justice there, but basically, who 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 decides who should clean the street in my neighborhood? Should it be someone across the street or should it be someone in the same borough or should it be uh, Westminster? So the idea of people who would favor a more localist uh, collection of, or, or like a localist configuration of government, they'd argue that maybe we should have the decisions made, decisions affecting the local community being made by those who it affects. So that would be the principled argument against the European Union. It's like maybe it has, it has done some good things, especially from my perspective, sort of a libertarian free market perspective. It's like, yes, the European Union has done tremendous things in terms of promoting trade within the European uh, partners. But on the other hand, is it worth sacrificing that sovereignty that people should exercise uh, on their own volition? The, the European Parliament has has sort of intervened dramatically in, in each of our lives and has affected it in, 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 in great ways. I mean, Article 13 was passed recently and it was talking about, the Article 13 was basically the regulation of internet commerce. I don't, I'm not going to pretend to fully understand it, but the way I understood it is that it's going to compel platforms like Google, Twitter and Facebook to have automated filters that would you know, moderate every single piece of content be generated the second it is generated to see whether or not it infringes on any sort of copyright of another, uh, of any copyright holder. So, uh, 
stupid idea, in my opinion, and we can get into that later, but that that sort of is a is a good example of how the European Union can sort of use the progressive mindset of we can fix this through relis- through legis- legislation and it, it basically overreaches and forces the hands of each of his member nations to uh, it forces it forces every member of his nation to to take it up so like GDPR GDPR was welcomed by people but I also had the same complaints with it it's basically that Hey, maybe maybe privacy legislation should be drafted and made, and sort of be custom made to each com- country, so you don't really affect small businesses. I mean, I've seen it firsthand how it affected small businesses. GDPR, you have to comply with it, and if you don't comply with it, you get tons of like really high fines, and uh, I'm sure you can see the issue with that. So go going back to our point is that the conservatives are split into sort of three groups. You've got the uh, groups that are. I would argue uh, principally uh, against a Euro- an, a closely knit integrated European Union and you've got the people that are sort of conservative in the worst sense where they are afraid of scrapping the project given or given the the difficulties and the hang-ups we're gonna have outside the European Union. I mean, uh, I, nothing comes, no, no name comes to mind, but it's the same. The argument would go like, "Well, this is the best we have. Let's 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 moderate it. Let's fix it." I guess I guess David Cameron would be would would be ah, would be one of those guys where he'd say, "Hey, maybe it's it's not broke. Don't fix it. It has done some good things. We can sort of push it and 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 shape it in the way where it would serve our interests." rather than scrapping the whole thing and being on the outside, uh, sort of on the outside looking in. That was one of the arguments made during the campaign in 2016 where if we leave, we're gonna be left alone, sort of 27 27 nations against one nation, which is us. I mean, the UK versus the 27 European nations and that would definitely be a, a lopsided agreement that would be that that's why it would be difficult to create uh sort of trade deals and that was the argument that was made during the 2016 election and you've got the third group in the conservative party and that would be the uh sort of the principled remain uh, uh faction and those guys tend to be uh infatuated with the idea like a sort of a romantic view of uh europe closely integrate close integration they're seriously scared of another sort of rise of a fascist power or an imperialist power in europe where it would take over that 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 is the fear that that those guys sort of that animates those guys i mean it tends to be like well we don't want to leave the european union because guess what happened before we had a european union two world war that killed millions of people I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a valid fear, but I would say it's uh, sort of misplaced in the sense that we can still maintain a uh, sort of mechanism like NATO that would police that sort of, uh, sort of look out for that sort of threat. And I don't, I doubt that fascism is, is ever going to make a comeback because fascism came after a very specific set of conditions that aren't really... Uh, sort of in place nowadays. So you've got the, the, those those three factions and that played out in in the Theresa May premiership, I would argue. That you saw how she was pushed sort of pulled from every which way. It's like the ERG, the European Research Group, wanted a harder Brexit. 
you've got the remainers got the remainer guys like uh, I want to say Justine Greening but don't hold me on that she wanted a sort of remain a principled remain of Europe has done good things to us and we shouldn't leave so now Going back, taking a step back and seeing those guys, the three factions, even the Conservative Party doesn't know what it wants to do. And then you've got the Labour Party where you've got a, a, a Brexiteer or, or a person who would favour leave over Remain heading a party filled with young people that were recently energised fighting against the fascist ideology of the right I mean that's that's the that's the uh, sort of narrative that they've they've believed. You've got those two guys. Put them in the same room. What do you think is going to happen? Nothing. Nothing is going to happen. Theresa May acquiesced on on sort of the custom union, and people freaked out from the ERG saying, "What the hell are you doing? We promised people to leave. Leave meant leaving. This is the last thing we're going to do." So sort of shackling ourselves to the European Union is not going to do us any favors. And uh, yeah, so that would be so that would be my rationale behind. Well, why why aren't we? Uh, why why wouldn't it work? Why the talks wouldn't have worked? And I was right. Uh, recently, Theresa May announced her resignation in June. Good riddance. I'll see you later. Look, she she did she did some hard work, but she. Uh, I don't know why she took it on. She's a Remainer. Why is she? Why is it? Why do you think a Remainer would be able to fulfill a Brexit that people that voted for it wanted? I mean, I don't know. It just seems that it's it's uh, it, w- it didn't make sense to me. But that's that's what's gonna happen. And the odds now favor uh, Boris Johnson. Last time I checked the odds, it was uh, sort of a a two to one. So for every pound you put in, you get two pounds back. Which is pretty damn good odds, uh, and it's and it's been slowly sort of improving. His uh, Boris Johnson, you know, don't he's brash. He could be sort of you know speak with his foot in his in his mouth, but he's he's sort of an animated figure that could really take uh, Brexit over the the line of just get it done with it, and then you can uh, fucking put Jeremy Corbyn after we're done here, just just <laughs> take us out of the European Union. And recently, after the resignation, this was, I want to say last week, uh, we've held the European elections, the European the European Parliament. The MEPs, people voted for them in the UK, and guess who came on top? That was the Brexit party led by Nigel Farage. Man, who, <laughs> who could have seen that coming, right? Everyone, everyone did. Nigel Farage really, really uh, was moment like a momentous figure during the uh, Brexit campaign in 2016. He he really brought people out to vote, and I think without him, the vote wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have gone the way it has. Nigel Farage utilized his uh, sort of expertise in being around politics forever and sort of polarizing people. In, in a good way. I mean, he got free publicity. Similar, like, he sort of took a page out of Donald Trump's uh, playbook. Again, publicity without sort of paying for it. European Parliament is now filled, sort of, I mean, the UK anyways, is filled to the brim with Brexiteers. I'm just looking forward to seeing the chaos that ensues from that. I mean, I've I remember following the 2016 referendum Nigel Farage came out, came on stage, 
Alternity, uh, well, Nigel Farage in, in the European Parliament came on and talked about how, well, 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 like he sort of gloated in front of them, told them to their faces that they're all unelected bureaucrats and how they're sort of got, got what they deserved. And I think that like a person with such passion and such energy would be the only person to, well, not, well, I mean, not the only person, but he'd be very well placed to sort of push Brexit. I mean, now there seems to be a coalition is going to form, or well, not like in the in the literal sense, but a coalition is going to form between the Brexit party sort of people, which had people from both sides. Like it had people from a communist party, like a previous communist or something. And and you've got Jacob Rees-Mogg's sister and all those people. So like <laughs> you wouldn't expect those, those two people, those two groups of people to be in the same room without a fight breaking out. But that goes to show how bad it has gotten, where people have been upset and 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 are sick with with sort of the drudge of three years just discussion, 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 and nothing comes out of it, and uh, and yeah, people are fed up. So they voted for the Brexit party. I think the coalition is going to be between sort of Nigel Farage, a Boris Johnson, or any sort of uh, prime minister who's going to be like pro Brexit. Uh, and 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 it's going to be the ERG, so it's sort of the three the three guys is going to push it along along to the end. I've seen uh, interviews with potential uh, sort of prime ministers that were talking about. Well, would they would you ask for another extension after October? So when it was pushed down, sort of three, two months ago, down to October, will you ask for another extension for Brexit? And the the consensus seems to be that no. So. What's more, most likely, most likely is going to be either we're going to have a no deal Brexit, we're going to have a Canada style or a Korea style uh, Brexit, as advocated by hard Brexiteers, or we're going to have a uh, another referendum, which I'm most fearful of. I doubt that's going to happen because the odds seem that people who favoured leave are sort of gaining gaining traction, and. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's what I would hope for, anyways. So this has been the first episode of Idea Pro. I hope you were entertained. Uh, this episode is going to be released on a sort of weekly basis, mostly Tuesdays, and I'll be doing sort of discussions similarly. Could could change, I could change the pictures, I could change the, I could change the intro and outro song, but. You basically got the idea of me sitting down, talking about what I think is important nowadays, and it could be either a discussion or a, a like sort of a fleshing out of ideas of what's happening now, or it could be an idea of how we have gone to this place. So I'm a very very interested in sort of history, political history, uh, politics, finance, eco the economy, all of that stuff, and we can talk all about that in in f uh, future episodes. I hope you appreciated this. I hope you liked this episode. If you do, leave five stars on iTunes, iTunes podcasts, share it with everybody, and have a good one.